You're listening to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, your home for holistic, evidence-based cognitive enhancement strategies. And now your host, Eric Levi. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, where we discuss using nootropics, biohacking, and nutrition to help you boost your cognition. My name's Eric. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. And on today's podcast, I have the wonderful Lena Franklin. Now, before we jump into the podcast, just a quick reminder, if you're watching this on YouTube, then you're going to want to make sure you stay up to date on all the podcasts and videos and product reviews that we put out on this channel. So make sure you take a second and hit that subscribe button. If you enjoy this conversation today, this podcast that we're recording for you today, then make sure you give it a big thumbs up and any questions, comments that you have along the way, leave those down in the comment section below. If you are listening to the audio on your favorite podcast player, also make sure you hit the subscribe button right there in your phone. And if you enjoy this, which I have no doubt you will, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave the podcast a five-star review. Now, we do talk a lot about holistic health, supplementation, nutrition, nootropics. I am all about finding the best quality products on the market. And if you are like me, then head on over to holisticnootropics.com and download a copy of my free supplement buying guide. This is a completely fully comprehensive guide that walks you through ingredient by ingredient on how to find the best quality supplements and nootropics on the market today. Because let's be frank, There is a lot of junk out there. The supplement market is a $100 billion industry. 99% of it ends up in the toilet. So make sure you get the right supplement for you. Don't get fooled again. And with that, let's jump into my podcast or our podcast today with Lena Franklin. Lena is a modern medicine woman, transpersonal psychotherapist, and transformational speaker offering ancient practices of meditation, energy, and medicine, uh, energy medicine, and psycho-spiritual healing in an accessible way for a modern lifestyle. Lena has taught transformational workshops and retreats all over the globe, guiding thousands to transform their suffering into strength by accessing their multidimensional existence. Lena has been featured on Bravo, Lifetime, the cover of Yoga Magazine, and in the New York Times, The Telegraph, World Travel Magazine, and many more, including now the Holistic Nootropics Podcast. Lena, welcome to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Eric. What a beautifully energetic introduction. I'm so grateful to be here and to be having this conversation with you. I'm so excited to talk to you because you are a specialist in that other side of things that I love to talk about. I love to talk about meditation and yoga and, you know, all things that some people, you know, would call the woo. Some people would call, you know, whatever you want to call it. I'm a true believer because I've had, I've felt the impact in my own life of these things and the things that you do. Um, so I believe in it. And I love to talk about people like you who are making a difference in the field. And I want to talk all about with you, uh, with you about all that today. But before we jump into that, let's start with your origin story. What is your superhero story? How did you get into this field of transformational medicine? Mm. Thank you for you know inviting me to to retrace because it's quite it's quite the story and really it, it's Eric it's a story of an integration of the east and west. So I actually grew up in a Buddhist Christian home. My mom was 
a Vietnamese Buddhist woman. My dad's a Presbyterian psychotherapist from Georgia. So good old Southern boy. And I, I had that in my upbringing. So that cultural richness, we would go to church one Sunday. And then the next Sunday, we may go to temple with my mom. And my mom taught me meditation when I was quite young, around the age of nine. So it was very common for me to walk in the house and she would be chanting, meditating, praying to ancestors at our altar. So that was, that was really the spiritual seed that was planted within me um, that, you know, continued to journey with me through my heroic human journey and kind of fast forward what broke me open to returning to the meditations and the teachings that my mom shared with me was when she suddenly passed when I was in my first year of grad school. So she, she was my primary attachment parent. She was my teacher informally, and she, she was very healthy and, and died of a sudden stroke when she was 57. So that, that really put me into this confusion place of, you know, if life can be so very fleeting, this human existence, why the hell are we all here? You know, why am I here? So I took to my meditation cushion. I took to my yoga mat. That's when I started a consistent practice in both areas. And I began to see that we as humans are so much more than our discomfort. We're so much more expansive than our grief. And in the same breath, I could feel the pain and the grief, but also there was this peace that existed deep within me beyond the ordinary human mind. And so, so interesting, the teachings that she shared with me early on helped to heal me through the discomfort and the, the heaviness, the pain of her passing. And kind of fast forward, um, after grad school, I began to work with clients and started a private practice and just began to informally share these meditation practices with my clients. And they began to get better at a much faster rate um, than traditional psychotherapy, just processing the same old stories over and over and really forging those same neural pathways. The meditations were creating new emotional blueprints for people, creating new neural pathways and um, and it was amazing, amazing to witness and little kind of interesting, you know, side story. My, my mom used to say when I was young that I was meant to bring people around the world, specifically to Asia, to her home continent to share meditation and this form of spiritual healing. And I thought she was crazy at the time, <laughs> but she really, she had uh, intuitive gifts and she sensed that and she knew that. And so, you know, somewhere that was churning within me and I'm so grateful for, you know, that, that experience of being broken open through grief because it, it unveiled me to my soul's purpose in this work that I'm meant to share. Wow. That's, that's so interesting. And it's so interesting that, you know, you're, you are a person in this field of spirituality. You know, I call people like you copper, you know, because you, you conduct an energy and deliver it to people and, and you bring people together. And it's even more interesting that you have this background of religion. And I've found myself personally, um, since I've really, you know, dove into the more spiritual kind of Eastern philosophy, meditation, Buddhism, even though I don't formally practice Buddhism, I found myself more open to like reading the Bible 
and understanding that. And I mean, I don't sit there and read the Bible. I listen to it on a podcast um, because I need somebody to, to interpret like the meanings of these stories. But I find myself using the spiritual practice of meditation and yoga to open my mind to the more formal religions. And it's just so interesting how at the end of the day, no matter what the religion is, no matter what it's saying, at the end of the day, it is trying to foster your acceptance of a deeper meaning in life. That's right. Yeah. I love, I love that Eric, because I have a similar experience in that, you know, the more I meditated, the more I saw, you know, the common denominators between what Buddha was teaching and what Jesus was teaching. And really, you know, when we open ourselves to like the fundamental core teachings in the different various religions, there's much more um, common denominator and connection than there is separateness. And it's actually the human ego that creates the separateness, but absolutely. I mean, it, there is such a wealth of wisdom that we can take, um, from studying the religious practices. And do you find with the ego, this is maybe like people's biggest stumbling block to, to really opening themselves up to, to these sorts of spiritual experiences? I do. Absolutely. So our, our ego, you know, we don't want to demonize it because it's it's the part of us that gets us up in the morning and like, you know, identifies as Lena or Eric. And, you know, there's there's a purpose to being in this I-ness, but it definitely malfunctions in a way that operates from fear. And when we're in that, that place of a fear operation, we are then, you know, there's energetically, we're closed off, we're in a judgmental space. Um, and, you know, human nature from the ordinary mind, the ego is fearful of what we don't know. So if we're in that fear-based place, we're less open to new experiences and definitely less open to exploring, um, you know, a practice or spiritual uh, path that may be foreign for sure. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, more than ever now, at least from what I can remember, and I've grown up around the rise of social media and Google and this, you know, technological revolution, big tech, um, that it really is a pro ego thing. And we kind of reinforce it with this idea that I need social media because you know, fill in the blank. I need it for business. I need it to stay connected. I need it to stay up to date on the latest news. And it, that's almost like the, that's almost like the bear trap that brings you in. And then you just start filling your space with ego driven content, confirmation, bias things, finding your tribe, but then it almost like hyper sensitizes you to all the other stuff that also goes back and reinforces the ego. And at the end of the day, I understand the purpose of the ego, but I feel like we're in an age where we're using technology to almost accentuate it past, you know, past a point where it's healthy at all. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's because of the nature of the ego, social media is the, the perfect storm, if you will, the perfect breeding ground to continue to, um, perpetuate attachments to reinforce that meanness, that I-ness. And it, this is where if we don't, if we don't set the intention of conscious consumption and conscious relationship with technology and social media, it will continue. It will just continue to take you over. And that addiction will be so vast and so strong. Um, and this is why, 
you know, I, I really believe in the power of conscious awareness and cultivating um, the, the power of our conscious choice through aligned action with our deepest intention, because we can use it for a platform for good. It's just, yeah, I would say absolutely. It's, it's malfunctioning at this point on a wide scale and we can take our power back, but it takes, um, it takes choice to do that free will. Yeah. And what you said right there actually was so incredible, which is we are allowing ourselves to become unaligned with our deepest um, intention. And maybe your intention is, I want to be successful. I want to give to other people. I want to, but you know, you allow yourself to get caught up in this superficial stuff. And, you know, like I find myself, for instance, I used to be a guy and I shouldn't say it was that long ago, but uh, for a long time, I've been a guy who fall into that trap, who would go on to social media and I would leave comments and I would find myself engaging in negative ways. And at the end of the day, you look at it and go, I don't know this person. I'll never meet this person. Why is it so important for me to express my, um, you know, my, uh, my anger or whatever at this person or at these people, like, why is that so important for me? What is my ego now feeling threatened? Is there something that I feel like I'm uh, lacking in that needs to be overcompensated by saying mean things or spending my day and losing all this time, essentially attacking people. Cause that's what it is. It's aggressing against people. Um, and, uh, and, and I do feel that I've, I'm now, the only way I've been able to pull myself out of that is reminding myself of what is my deeper purpose? What is my deeper, uh, intention? It's not to, it, I don't have to tell the algorithms who I am. I'm, a, I'm okay to be who I am for me and not have to show that to, you know, millions of strangers. That's right. Yeah. And, and, you know, the reality is we're all human. So this is where compassion comes in. We're all going to get triggered by certain posts and by certain messages and by differing opinions, but, but the higher self or the wiser self, um, we can cultivate that aspect of ourselves. And even when we get triggered, we can create that space between stimulus, the stimulus of the trigger and the response, right? Which is sounds like, you know, part of your practice and what you've done in order to kind of pull back is that part of my deepest intention. And in that space is our freedom, is our liberation of conscious choice and free will. How do I want to respond or not respond? Because no response is a response as well um, in a way that, I can feel proud of in a mm -hmm. way that does align with my deeper, higher self. And that I feel like is needed now more than ever in this hyper technology age. Can we pause between stimulus and response? And if we are going to respond, can it reflect our, our wisest self? Yeah. And, and you especially see it, it like when we go out to dinner or when I used to be able to go out to dinner. Now uh, there's reasons why I'm not allowed to go out to dinner anymore. Uh, when I, when there was a time uh, when I could go out to dinner and you'd see these couples just like sitting at a table with each other and just looking at their phones. Right. And yeah. I see that not as a dysfunction in the relationship, but uh, almost like this thing that I've learned through these spiritual practices, which is learning how to find space within quiet the mind and be totally present. And when you're totally present, you go, yeah, I'm with the person I love, or I'm with a person who I made a choice to spend time with in real life. And I'm by being with this person, I'm getting all that oxytocin, I'm getting all that dopamine. So why would I not give this moment fully to the people that are around me? And I should be delivering enough value to make them want to stay around me. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm, that's right. Yes. And this is the where the addiction comes in. You know, we may know that on a cognitive level, but what's actually going to honor that knowing is to make the alternative action. If your impulse is to get on your phone during dinner with your partner, then can you pause long enough to bring your hand back and then shift your attention into that moment with them? Because the reality is if we're not in the present moment with whatever it is we're doing, our partner with our child, with, you know, this beautiful piece of food in front of us, then we're missing our lives. We're literally Mm -hmm. missing our lives. And I think if we can hit that home, you know, with whatever it is, our our messaging on, you know, optimizing our human potential and really owning our authentic self and our authentic power, um, this world can really shift. Yeah. Now I I would love to talk to you about gratitude um, because I know you, you, you talk a lot about uh, gratitude. I believe you have a a, a gratitude ritual. Um, I'm a big, big, big gratitude guy. I read this book. I forget what it's called. The gratitude something. It was by uh, Wayne Dyer. It was like the gratitude code or something like that. Very, it's a short book, but I believe it's made one of the most profound differences in my life, which is every day I write down 10 things that I'm grateful for. And it's not just like, Oh, like these big goals that I've accomplished. No, it's like little things and even stuff that's negative. So like, I'll be grateful that I have electricity, you know, and in Puerto Rico, I mean, you learn real quick how big of a luxury that is. Um, but then I'll be grateful for negative things in my life. Like sometimes I'll be grateful that I failed at uh, being a stand-up comedian, for instance. You know, that's what I did in a previous life and it didn't work out. And, or I failed at, you know, whatever it was, right? I didn't uh, become, everybody has their thing that they, they, they look at as regret. But when you start being grateful for that stuff, I find like your whole life changes and it doesn't take any pills or powders or tinctures. It just takes this simple practice of gratitude. And I know people have all kinds of different ways of doing it. And I would love to explore, you know, your focus on gratitude. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because that's one of the practices that I really encourage clients and students to embrace. And actually in 2017, I did a similar practice every morning before I would get on my phone, before I would get out of bed or brush my teeth. I had a gratitude journal right next to my bed. And it was the first thing I did every morning. You did 10, which I think is amazing. Um, I wrote down three things I was grateful for, for a full year as kind of a personal experiment to see how that rewiring felt within my, within my being. And it was amazing. Like the shift in how I entered my day was miraculous. Just the little appreciations of the sun shining or even a difficult moment. If I had a hard conversation, it was like, Oh, well, there's a lesson in that. Right. And so gratitude is it's a it's like part of the life as a living meditation practice is what I say and if we can choose because again we're using conscious choice every morning to embrace the day with the lens of gratitude because part of what creates our reality is our perception so if we're perceiving all of these moments, you know, pleasurable moments, hard moments. Um, you know, think about like our difficult relationships in our life, those relationships as points of gratitude, then that is the energetic recipe. So you're creating that energetic 
field of gratitude. And what that's doing is sending, it's radiating this telegraphic message to the universe that, oh, you know, more of this, right? So if you're grateful for when you look at your bank account, you say, oh, you know, it's growing. I'm so grateful for this money energy. You know, I'm so grateful for the capacity to pay my bills. Um, then you're growing that energetic resonance, that vibration. So that gratitude practice is literally creating this magnetism within your aura, within your being that attracts more of what you deeply desire. So there's the gratitude practice that we do internally and that automatically shifts our external like 3D life experience because we're just going to attract more of what we, we want and desire from that higher level vibration. But gratitude is, it's fundamental. You know, I think if we're not in a gratitude, a conscious gratitude practice, we're not optimizing our capacity as human um, because part of our superpower is conscious choice and conscious awareness. Whatever you put your awareness on is what your life is made of. So if you're choosing to give stress and fear and doubt power, that's what your life is made of. But if you're choosing to be grateful for the blessings, however small every day, then you, your life will be blessed. And we choose that. That is our superpower. Yeah, I, I think it's it's so fundamental to life. It's been fundamental for my own transformation. You know, I just look at so much suffering amongst people and it's people who have no business suffering. Like if we can just be straightforward with it, it it's, you look at some people, you're like, you live in a nice house, you got a beautiful family, you know, you got, uh, you got all the stuff, you got the car, you got the the TV, you got the, the, the time and it's like, you look at people who are the most successful are the most depressed, right? Like there's nothing more heartbreaking when you see a famous person who commits suicide or checks themselves into rehab. And you're like, do you know how many people would give one of their limbs to, to experience what you experience? And these people are tortured. They're tortured. And you know, it's like that thing where it's like the happiest people are the people who like, you know, the, the hunter gatherer people, you know, the people in these more like ancient cultures, they don't have, they don't even know what a, what a screen looks like. And man, like the whole world changes as soon as you take your life and you go, this is who I am. This is what I got. This is what's around me. And thank God for all of it. And then as soon as you, as soon as you say that, it's like you said, the, the world just, or the universe, it just starts coming to you. It just starts delivering you all these gifts. And again, if you're listening to this and you're one of these people who's like, ah, whatever, you know, cause we got those people out there. Ah, this is nonsense. It's like, well, try it. Try like you did try it for a year. Go every year. I'm going to take five minutes in the morning. So you take five. It takes me literally 15 seconds to write down 10 things I'm grateful for because it's just, it's, I've done it for so long, but you don't have to think that hard, man. If you're sitting there and you're like writing on a couch, go, I'm grateful for this couch. So many yeah. people don't have a couch. I'm grateful for the air conditioning. So many people don't have air conditioning. It, this, this practice is so easy. And then you do it enough. You build that muscle. And again, you just start watching the, the, the universe just starts giving you all these gifts. And you're like, where'd this come from? You look back at your life six months later. Well, I have moved forward with things. It's, it's just so crazy how it works. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, totally. Because I get, I still get clients that come in and they're, you know, they're skeptical of the whole energetic thing. They're all, you know, they're all about um, what they can see and feel, which is great. I'm like, you know what? 
It's not, it's not going to hurt to try. Let's just try. And you know what? Allow yourself to be, you know, the scientist of your own life. Try it out, see what happens, and then see what results come. Because, I, you know, I've seen so many skeptics kind of turned into, um, you know, those who are embracing these practices. And the reality is, too, there's amazing science behind these practices, these more energetic and we'll call them uh, metaphysical practices. And so, yeah, you're strengthening that gratitude muscle. Um, what I would say for the, the practice of writing down three things every morning for a year, don't, don't judge yourself, give yourself permission to repeat. It may be the same damn thing every day. I'm grateful for my cup of coffee. I'm grateful for my dog, you know, whatever it is, but allow yourself to have that, um, that little space because whatever we appreciate appreciates. It's like, whatever you appreciate is going to grow. Whatever you appreciate, appreciates. And that is objective, universal truth. That is one of the coolest phrases I've heard in a long time. Whatever you appreciate, appreciates. It, mm-hmm. It's just, oh man, it's just, it's so true, you know? And, and there is, there is some kind of thing. I don't know what it is to actually like using a pen and paper and writing things. Um, I, uh, I do this practice It's called uh, morning pages. I learned it from this book called the, uh, the, the artist's way. Um, this woman wrote this a long time ago and she was a writer and she started doing like three pages of just, you know, unconscious, just pen on paper. I'm just going to move my hand until three pages are done every morning. And I, I don't do that many, but I've done it this practice for a long time. And I know a lot of people will sit there and just have this natural writer's block, but a practice like this actually it frees your mind and you start diving really deep into your psyche. And, um, there's this basketball player who just wrote this book. I heard him on a podcast, um, talking, his name's Chris Bosch and he was a famous basketball player, won championships, played with LeBron James. And then he retired and he didn't know what to do with his life and things were getting really dark and he was depressed. And then he read the book, the artist's way and he started doing these morning pages. And then before he knew it, he realized like, man, like, what is going on with my mind? Like, this isn't who I am because now you're, you're, you're reading back what's in the deepest parts of your head. And he goes, this is what I need to fix you. Once you, I see it and identify, he goes, this is what I need to work on. And then he ended up writing a book, which is all about empowering young athletes. Um, so, you know, whether it's the gratitude practice, whether it's, you know, the morning pages, whatever it is, it's like, sometimes you you just have to take an action. You just have to do something. It doesn't have to be anything, you know, grand or huge. You don't have to post it all over your social media, but if you just do a thing, you'll start to, like you said, appreciation appreciates and things will start to grow from there. Totally. I love that. I mean, and, and it's, it's simple. You know, that's what I love. It's like so many of these practices are simple. Really, the the most challenging part is getting out of our own way and choosing to create a new rhythm, a new habit. And so, you know, the simplest of practices can transform your life. I've seen it over and over so many times with clients and students that I work with. So, yeah, I love that you brought up gratitude because it's, it's, again, I think fundamental, fundamental for um, our human optimization and evolution right now. Absolutely. Now, can you talk a little bit about grounding? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a big, I'm a big grounder. I love, uh, you know, I, I feel like every almost, I try to every day, but every very often I say, I need to put my feet on some grass. 
I need to get to the beach. I need to be just expose my body to nature. So, um, but there's no rhyme or reason. There's no, like, I have no method. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, your, your grounding cleansing ritual? Yeah. So I, first of all, it brings my heart joy to know that you are a grounder, that you you do this practice. Um, It's one of the most, it is one of the, first of all, one of the first things that I teach um, in workshops, retreats, individually, because it's such a game changer. When I say grounding, I'm, I'm referring to the conscious connection with earth energy. And our physical body is made of the same minerals, the same elements as our earth is. And so we are not separate. So we're connecting with that interdependence piece. However, you know, we walk around, many of us, um, in rubber-soled shoes. We drive around in boxes. We live in boxes, many people in the modern world. And we've been disconnected from our essential um, nature and from the energy of the earth. And we need this electromagnetic energy, the current of the earth, for so many reasons. One, it decreases inflammation in the body. So it is a natural um, kind of defender against disease and imbalances and densities, right? Because, you know, if you think about disease, it's, it's um, irregular cell growth, um, dense energy kind of held in the body in various places. It decreases stress and anxiety. It eases the nervous system. So shifting you into parasympathetic dominant state, which is your rest and digest state. It is amazing for um, opening up even your creativity, energetic centers. So there's just endless um, benefits of, for grounding and we can do it very simply. You know, you get your bare feet into the earth. You can do it seated. Um, you can do it. You can even do it sitting inside. So the best thing is you want your feet in the earth, but if you're inside, just say it's, you know, hot or freezing outside or raining, all you want to do is get your feet planted on the ground. And then you use the power of your intention to connect with the earth energy. So dropping your energy down into the earth and Earth energy, the the color of it is red. So symbolizing the first energy center of the body, which is at the base of the spine. And you just use your intention to bring up that red energy up into your body, into the soles of the feet, up into the base of the spine. And it's really rejuvenating, revitalizing and recalibrating your nervous system and your energetic body. And what it does is it creates a sturdy foundation. So the way that it benefits you as you walk through life is, you know, when something happens, you're not knocked off kilter so easily. You can come back home to balance more easily. You feel a literal, sturdy, strong foundation within your being, and you can manage stress much more effectively. So again, you can do it bare feet in the earth. You can do it using the power of your intention. Uh, but it's something that I recommend people do every single morning for at least at least five to ten minutes. Yeah. And it's the power of it is so subliminal, but it's there. And you know, it's there because you're taking electricity from the earth, right? And the atoms in the cells in our bodies, they're electric, right? They have electrons. Electrons are negatively charged. You have, you know, protons that are positively charged, I believe. Uh, Chemistry question coming up. Um, But, you know, these, these practices, it's like, you know, 
hunter gatherers didn't have depression. They didn't have anxiety. You know, people who, who walk around barefoot all day, they don't have depression, anxiety, they don't have PTSD. They don't have bipolar. They don't have any of this stuff. Right. And not to minimize those issues, but you find that in, in our modern society, there is, like you said, this thing where, wherein rubber shoe, uh, shoe soles walking around on concrete and cement, um, we have, and we live in these boxes that are padded that, you know, are filled with all kinds of stuff. Like we don't have the connection to the earth and we're, we are, there is an element of our own human nature that is definitely missing. And uh, it feels like doing a grounding practice, like you said, in like the way that you said it too, brings it to another level when you can connect your, you know, your breathing and your, you, you, you can be conscious of what's happening in your body to the actual electricity going into your body. It just makes it that much more profound. Yes. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's getting back to, getting back, back to the basics, back to our true nature. And if you look at our evolutionary psychology, you're absolutely right. You know, incidents and, and diagnoses of anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, I mean, they have all up-leveled over time. And I truly believe, you know, grounding is not the only solution, but it's a very accessible way we can take control over our own healing and the, the imbalances emotionally and psychologically that we have in our bodies and physically. So, um, it's something I recommend, you know, everyone to do. And it's, it's simple. I'm all, I'm all about the you know practices that give you the biggest, um, result bang for your time buck and grounding is definitely one of them. Yeah. And, it, you know, nobody's saying like, hey, you have to, you know, this is going to replace the doctor or the, you know, your your psychotherapy or whatever. It's, nobody's saying that. But, you know, again, this is holistic nootropics. You know, everything, it, it, everything is in context. Everything works all together. Your knees connected to your legs, connected to your hips, connected to your back, connected. Like everything influences everything up and down the chain. So, um, yeah, when you go into nature, it's just like, I was telling you before we got started, like there's this little spot I go in Puerto Rico in the middle of the jungle and I'm disconnected from everything. And there's something about this place. It's just magical when I'm in nature, when you, when I'm looking at the green trees, when I'm jumping into these little, uh, uh, they call them charcos or little uh, bodies of water, you know, when I'm walking up and down these rocks and this grass without shoes on, there's just something about that, that physically recharges you that, it feels like you went on like a two week vacation. I'm only there for like a day. Um, and you know, you don't have to go that far. Just go outside, hug a tree. It's so ridiculous to say, but go hug a tree. And there's something about that that will make you feel better. That's right. That's right. It's accessible. Use what you have, you know, even in a city, there are parks, make it a priority, um, getting back to basics. And the, the fact is we are a part of nature. We are not separate from the earth and we need to, remember that. We need to remember that. Yeah. yeah. And the craziest thing is like, when I started doing all this stuff, I was living in New York city. Really? I was living in New York city. I was in Queens. And I mean, I would just go like find just little patches of grass and I would just stand there. I would take my shirt off. So I'm getting the sun. Oh yeah. I was like this weirdo. People are like, what's wrong with this guy? I'm like, well, you know, I'm not smoking cigarettes right now. So, uh, like yeah. I'm, I'm doing something right. 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 Um, and, and it's funny because the yoga scene in New York city and the meditation scene in New York city, it's off the charts. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just so funny. It's like, and it's how people stay sane in these crazy places like this. So there's something to it for sure. 
Oh yeah, I'm sure. So we live in a neighborhood in Atlanta and I am sure our neighbors think we are crazy because I'm like out there like basking in the sun energy and like walking around barefoot, just like, you know, walking meditation. So very slow. They're like, well, you know, I'm okay with being the the, uh, anomaly on the block. Yeah. No, you got to, it's, you got to do it. Like I was the same way. It would be 30 degrees out. I'd be outside with my shirt off, just trying to get any little glimmer of sun. I could in the middle of winter Um, because I learned real quickly, like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to succumb to the pharmaceutical industrial complex. I'm not going to let somebody else have agency over me and my body and tell me what to think. You know, the, the, the earth gave us these bodies to do something, you know, and we have to honor that. There's just some kind of thing that makes it so that we need the energy from the earth the earth has all the energy we need. The sun has all the energy. We need. It grows food. It grows animals. Why can't it give me life? And so that's how I look at it. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. It gives us the medicines we need. It gives us the food we need. It gives us the treatments we need. And that's, you know, that's just truth. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to ask you about intentional drinking uh, what, could, could you explain what that is? Because I look at that and I, I, I kind of giggle a little bit, but I know there's, there's something to that. And so, uh, and it sounds like it's pretty powerful. So could you, could you explain what intentional drinking is? Okay. Yes. So this reminds me of my, I have an evening rituals video and I, there's a little clip in there about intentional drinking. Um, and I actually just got back from guiding a retreat in Jamaica where there was a lot of, intentional drinking there. And so really what that means is mindfully, consciously enjoying whatever, you know, just say, so I, I love, I like champagne. I like biodynamic, you know, into biodynamic wines and biodynamic champagne is one of my joys, pleasures. Um, and so when I have that, when I choose to put that in my body, I do it with the energy of gratitude, joy, and celebration of life. Because the way that my body will metabolize that um, that glass of champagne is different when I do it with joy, gratitude, and celebration versus self-loathing, self-judgment, and negativity. Okay. So the whole premise is that, you know, and this is, this is where I, as a, as a teacher, meditation teacher, spiritual teacher, I'm all about the middle path. You know, I am not really rigid on either end of the spectrum. I'm like, let's do what works for our bodies. Let's embrace our power as sovereign beings of our, you know, in this, in this vessel during this lifetime. And let's also enjoy and celebrate and experience pleasure. Because one of the things also that humans are so repressed in is the area of pleasure. And um, and that's what intentional drinking is all about. Is like, allow it to be a ritual. Allow it to be, you know, something that you have zero guilt about. So when we were in Jamaica, you know, we'd have, and there was beautiful, you know, sessions, deep practices, a lot of energetic releases and transformative shifts in people. But then at night we would have these beautiful dinners and, you know, the wine was flowing and, you know, people who, who wanted to have that experience were able to embrace that abundance without guilt or judgment. Oh, I'm on retreat. I shouldn't be doing that. Or, um, and some people chose to not 
engaged in the intentional drinking part, but some people did. And it was just, you know, sovereign choice, um, personal free will. And the intentional drinking piece is, you know, it's really my, my teaching as a teacher who embraces the middle path and the celebration of life, giving others permission to do the same in a way that resonates with you. So in a nutshell, that's, that's what it's all about, but that's, that's my lens when it comes to like teaching people how to relate to their lives in a way that's going to feel really good for them and very aligned for them. That's cool because you, like you said, there's the middle path. Like we don't have to be, you know, all the way over here where everything we do, it's like prayer hands and everything is super spiritual and, you know, no, you're going to live like a person in, you know, the year 2021. Um, you don't have to like, uh, you know, go off the deep end, right. And go on like a, like a week long binge, but you know, yeah. Like why not enjoy a little red wine with dinner? Why not? Um, you know, my thing is cannabis, right. And there's a lot of people who love cannabis, a lot of people who can't do it. And there's a lot of people who go, yeah, it's just the thing I do. And I'm, I'm a functional stoner or whatever. Um, but if you're doing it in the context of like, Hey, it's, there's, um, you know, there's a ritual to it. There's a, it doesn't, it doesn't sabotage my life. Um, yeah, live your life. Don't be so judge. Don't be so judgmental. You get one go at this thing. Why not enjoy it? Why not enjoy it? Absolutely. It's all about what is the intention. So it always goes back to that. What is the intention? Am I drinking this third, third or fourth glass of wine to numb myself or am I, you know, in a place of, of joy and celebration and giving myself permission to, you know, to experience pleasure. And so, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's all about the middle path. I'm a huge proponent of that. So how, how can we course correct back to that, whether we're getting too rigid or, you know, maybe we've indulged a little too much. It's like, okay, you know, let's have compassion. We're, we're human and we're going to go there, but how can we come back and course correct into what feels good and aligned authentically. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like cannabis is a plant medicine and people who use it consciously, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Oh man. It's helped. You know, I, I like, I, I don't get so into like the, the plant medicine aspect of it. I think it's, it's certainly helpful for a lot of people. Like I've seen it firsthand, like it do some pretty like miraculous things for people, but I, I lean not towards that so much. Cause I know for me it's, it's recreational. Um, but I, at the same time I go, I work hard. It doesn't get in the way. And like, again, you get one go at this thing and I'm going to, I'm going to live it to the fullest. And you look at these maniacs in the blue zones, right? These, these crazy maniacs in the blue zones living past a hundred years old, they're drinking wine, they're drinking beers, they're having a great time. And it's like, I'm not going to say, Hey, you go be an alcoholic and jump off the deep end. But at the same time, like, look, man, you gotta, you gotta love your life and you gotta celebrate and you gotta know when it's, when it's time to go and have some fun and when it's time to buckle down and focus and, and don't let the substance be the thing that controls you. Totally. I think about, you know, even some of my ancestors in Vietnam who love their, their homemade rice wine. And, you know, I had, I'm thinking about like even my great grandmother who lived you know, into her nineties, like, and they chewed, you know, I don't know if you know the beetle nut, which mm. is, um, it's, it's, it's almost like chewing tobacco esque, like nicotine stimulant, um, chewing beetle nut, drinking rice wine and living so long in that like beautiful collective community with family with, you know, plenty of 
food from the earth, enjoy and connection. You know, it's true. We have to enjoy. That's part of our purpose here, actually, is to be in this like miraculous human form and experience the pleasures of what this life brings to us. So for those listening, and I love, Eric, that you also connect with this, give yourself permission to enjoy. Yeah. And that brings us to the next thing I want to talk about, which is play meditation. Um, you know, because I learned this when I was, uh, again, years ago, I was doing comedy and I, I was doing improv and, you know, one thing it taught me was just how important it is to like dig into that inner child and have fun. Um, and you look at a lot, so many people that are not having fun in life, you know, and maybe it's cause of your circumstances, maybe you have things that are like, you know, really, um, you know, tormenting you, but at the same time, like we all have the ability to dig deep and find these things that we genuinely enjoy doing that allow us to free ourselves from the shackles of all of these restraints that we've learned throughout life. And, and I see again, people suffering so much from, so could you maybe talk a little bit about like what play meditation is and, and where that fits into somebody's life? Yeah. Yeah. So the way that play meditation kind of enters into my orbit, my realm is through dance. You know, I've been very guided to invite others into the the practice of free movement in the body and just playfulness through embodiment and free movement. And um, in this past retreat in Jamaica, we did a soul liberation dance session that started with kind of like some more vibey spiritual beats and music into like full on, you know, modern hits. And it was, it was one of the most fun and powerful experiences because you're so right. We're so tamped down and there's, everything is interconnected. So if you're repressed and you're closed off in your embodiment, there is a part of your, your intellect, your spirit, your creativity, um, your capacity to create and manifest in the world that's also constricted and tamped down. So how can we free up through the energy of play, play? Because the energy of play brings in the energy of the inner child. The inner child is the aspect of ourselves that has so frequently gotten wounded by different traumas throughout life, whether that's a big T trauma, huge um, experience of trauma, or kind of more micro traumas, which are like little T traumas that we all experience. And the inner child yearns for play and freedom and innocence. The innocence of being just vibrant and free, right? The playfulness of, you know, not worrying. It's beyond fear, beyond doubt, beyond worry and um, constriction. So that is what we're, we're liberating when we choose to embody play meditation. So I think play meditation is, is there's so many ways to do it, but I love the portal of dance. And because think about like what comes up too, you know, especially if you're dancing around other people, shyness, tentativeness, not wanting to be seen. These are all aspects. So whatever comes up for you, when you enter into that place to say, you're you know, going to break out and dance out in public, whatever is coming up for you is exactly the resistance that you're meant to heal. And that play mm -hmm. is like the energy to help you dissolve the parts of, um, your barriers that are holding you back from the fullest expression of who you're meant to be. Yeah. And sometimes you just gotta be a freak, 
you know, sometimes you just gotta like, you're in Atlanta, the freak Nick, right? You gotta like, let it, you gotta let your freak flag fly. And people are just so scared to show any kind of vulnerability, any kind of weakness. We all have our guards up. I mean, just fully reinforced, you know, tank armor around us. And it's like, look, man, you're not that special. You know, like, I know you're a snowflake. I know you're special. You one of a kind, all that stuff is true, right? Nobody wants to hurt you, but you, if you really want to truly live this thing to the fullest, it, it's okay to just let it all out there and act weird. And people are going to make fun of you. That's just the world. And you know what? It's their own weakness when they do that. And, you know, I've learned right. this about people online, people in real life. I've been, again, I've had so many experiences where I was the butt of jokes and I've embarrassed myself in full of crowds of people. And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. So let all that stuff go. And yeah, dance like a crazy person, like let it out, move all of these tendons in your body, move it, like get the oxygen flowing because there's nothing more important for you living than, you know, you need to live rather than feel like you don't want to be embarrassed. I don't know if that makes sense. Right. right. Um, And I feel like these kind of play things in our life, when you see people start to and you can see it in people's posture too, right? You probably see this all the time where it's like someone's stiff and they like walk with a little hunch and they, uh, you know, they, they, they turn their head with their whole body at the same time. And, and then you see them start to have like a little bit of fun. And it's like the funniest thing in the world was like, Oh, they're going, they're going Oh, they're, like they're, they're doing this, the dance. Okay. It's like a robot. Okay. It's coming alive. And, uh, and man, you, when you start to explore that part of yourself, it's again, the whole world just opens up creativity, flow state. I mean, just feeling good. It's, it's all part of that package. Absolutely. I think you hit the, the piece about protecting ourselves against embarrassment. Okay. So for those tuning in, it's like, that is where you work. I, I worked with the mantra. I'm willing to be embarrassed again for a year. I guess I'm, I'm in the pattern of working with like a practice for a year. And if you choose to do things that would historically, you know, perhaps bring you embarrassment or trigger embarrassment for you, do those things, you know, within Mm -hmm. reason, but like do those things and work, feel it until you heal it. Like really move through the resistance Mm -hmm. because if you're willing to be embarrassed, you're going to free yourself from so much self bondage of holding yourself back and yeah, be weird let that, let that fly. It's so important. We need your, we need your weirdness. We need your uniqueness. We do. Oh man. Because so many people are so boring, you know, and like there's so many (laughs) things about life that are just so boring and so monotonous. And it's like, look, you got to break out of this. You got to just, and not to say that people have to do anything, but to really be happy, to really like just strike that chord deep inside you that you're, you're fighting for, that you're taking all these pills for when you're going all this counseling for it's like sometimes you just have to let it all all out there sometimes you have to just do the craziest thing that in the back of your head like what if i just threw all my stuff out on the lawn and just left town and never came back what if i just got a plane ticket to some far off place wore my mask on the plane for 16 hours and just went to this new place. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know the language. What if I just did that? Right? Like what if you just went out in the middle street and just started dancing in speedos? You know what I mean? Like what if, like what would happen? Like, what do you think is going to happen? You're not going to get arrested. No one's going to throw you in jail. Um, yeah, you got to have fun. That's a, that's what I truly believe. 
You got to, you have, these are some good ideas. You have my, my wheels turning on and things to suggest to my clients. There you go. Yes. Send them my way too. I'll, I'll, I'll teach them how to embarrass themselves. Okay, really good. Okay. <laughs> the embarrassment coach is emerging. That's the embarrassment coach. Yeah. Uh, this is an embarrassment meditation. Okay. We're going to, we're going to go deep on this one. I we're going to get and get out in the street now. <laughs> yeah. And believe it or not, there are pictures out there. So, uh, okay. it's all good. Um, now, uh, one thing I definitely did want to ask you about, um, you know, because being that this is a, like a biohacking podcast, we talk about nootropics. Are there any supplements or compounds, uh, natural herbs that you really like to implement, whether it's with yourself or, or people that you're coaching? Yeah. You know, I'm pretty, um, simple in that realm, but you know, green tea extract is something that I really am a proponent of and use on a daily basis. Um, in terms of herbs and kind of, uh, you know, I think about, you know, whenever I put vegetables or fruits or, you know, whole foods in my body, I think about that as medicine. That's the way I conceptualize it. So for me, you know, bitter greens are really cleansing for the system. And we take, even if we're, we're clean eaters, we take in so many toxins. Um, so dandelion greens are really good. I use that in my green juice um, throughout the week. Also turmeric um, is also really, really healthy for you, great for your immune system. Um, so those are, those are some of the, like my, my frequents and in terms of actual, like I, I use supplement, actually, I, I probably would love to have a conversation with you at some point about, um, what, what you, what you really enjoy and feel, um, is most aligned for, for people. And cause you're right. The supplement world is so convoluted that I've just been, you know, a minimalist in that realm. So I take, um, I take glutathione, um, and I take NAC and, uh, vitamin C crystals in my water in the morning, and then the different kind of vegetables and roots that I shared, but that's, that's what I, you know, what I support and what I love for my own body. Yeah. I love dandelion greens. Um, they're very seasonal where I live. And so anytime I get my hands on them, <clears throat> I, uh, I do find they do have a nice, uh, effect. They're very low in like these quote unquote plant tox and things like, uh, lectins and oxalates and things like that. Um, but they do have a, a strong effect on liver and digestion. And, um, yeah, you know, it's funny because I, again, this is a holistic nootropics podcast and, uh, you know, I do have a lot of biohackers on here and, and people who are big in the supplement world. And it's funny because I've had a few of these conversations with some of these people who are big in that space and they go, I only take a couple things you know, um, because they've tried a lot of stuff and they go at the end of the day, it is about minimalism. You, it, they're supplements for a reason. They're not supposed to be your entire right. diet. You know, they, you take them to complement things. And the reason I used to not be a supplement person myself. And then I, I started to realize like, we live in a world that is extraordinary in things like chemicals and mold and, you know, just overall toxins that we have no control over. So, um, you know, I need to, I need to be able to step up. I need to be able to deliver enough force in my own body to keep going to fight that stuff off. 
Um, because you know, the fact is like even a healthy diet can, can send you down. Um, you know, there's people who are recovering vegans and recovering keto dieters and recovering because you just go too hard in one direction and it throws off the balance. So, um, yeah, I, um, it's all individual. There's nothing, um, there's, there's no one size fits all. So if it works for you, definitely that's what works for you. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. It's like, and I teach my students how to be intuitive, right? Your body knows your body has the wisdom and you, it's important to talk to, you know, experts and get guides and get, you know, attract the teachers that align with you. But ultimately does this resonate with your body? Does this resonate with you? And getting, getting into that paradigm shift of like empowering yourself to be the master of your, your own life rather than always, right. Turning to someone else to tell you what, what you need to take or do. I think that's a really important paradigm shift. Yeah. And the practices that we've talked about on this podcast are, are the reasons why you don't have to take a lot of stuff, you know, because you're, you're cultivating the power within instead of looking from without, you know, I see some people who are taking like 30, 40 pills and powders and tinctures a day. And it's like, that stuff's not doing anything for you. Like they'll come out and they'll go, I've got this whole list of things. What am I missing? Like, I think you basically listed everything in GNC. I don't know if there's anything else you could possibly take. I don't know, maybe a glass of water. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, but, but that's again, why I love to say like, well, let, where does grounding fit in? Where does gratitude fit in? Where do these practices come in that switch your paradigm from victim to empowerment? And then you start to realize, yeah, I'm not depressed. I don't, I don't have brain fog anymore. I don't have this disposition where I get up in the morning. I don't know what my purpose is. Um, you know, you start to change that slowly, but surely you start to realize I don't need all these different things. Yeah. I love green tea extract. Sure. Like NAC, who doesn't need NAC, especially in this time of, uh, you know, COVID and everything. Um, yeah, all those things are certainly good, but do you need like a whole laundry list of stuff? No, not if you wake up in the morning and you feel great and you go to bed on, you can get to sleep. No problem. Um, everything else is, everything else is good. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. So, sorry. No, it's okay. With um, uh, essential oils, do you use a lot of essential oils? I use some. Again, um, the ones like my staples are lavender, frankincense, uh, tea tree, and then peppermint. So those are the ones that I use most often. Uh, but I'm not like a crazy essential oil person. Like there's something for everything. And I have like all my boxes and, you know, I, again, like the middle path, the middle path approach of like, what am I, what really works for me? What, what do I gravitate towards? Like I use lavender at night, I use frankincense um, for, you know, daily, you know, throughout the day, um, peppermint to really wake myself up, especially in the afternoon. If I'm, you know, really packed during the day, kind of use that as an energy boost. Um, yeah. So those are the ones that I love. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love, uh, I love essential oils too. You know, I, I was very, uh, I was very like, uh, um, I was very against, not against, but I just didn't like understand essential oils for a long time. And then I had, um, actual physical pain and I used like some peppermint essential oil and it just like went away. And it was the craziest thing. I go, oh man, there's, there is definitely something to these things. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, for sure. Yeah. I mean, for it's, and then, you know, I think it's important to source from 
a company or, a, you know, a, a direct source that, that really is high quality. Um, and I, I love, you know, my husband and I, we have a really strong connection with Peru. So we get mm. a lot of our, our oils from Peru and, um, yeah, we know exactly where it comes from. So for me, that that also makes a difference energetically. You know exactly where it's coming from. It doesn't have um, more of that corporate energy infused into it. Yeah. yeah, so important. Sourcing is, again, that's why I have the supplement guide. That's why I talk so much about just sourcing and understanding toxic ingredients because you know they do these tests on these things and they go, okay, this lavender essential oil is... 5% lavender, 95%, a whole bunch of other stuff. Right. So, yeah. Well, Lena, this has been a really fun conversation, spirited, spirited, spiritual conversation. I love it. Um, so if somebody wanted to keep up with you, learn more about you, even work with you, uh, where's a good place to send that listener or viewer to go? Yeah. So all of, all of my offerings, um, my individual work, group work, um, courses and such, I have a meditation membership, which is a global community for awakening. Uh, all of that can be found on my website, which is lenafranklin.com. That's L E N A. And then also I share tons of free resources, teachings, meditations on social media. So my, um, Instagram and all platforms are the handle is I am Lena Franklin. So I'd love to connect with anyone on there. I frequently check my DMs. So if you have any questions about meditation or anything that comes up for you around these practices, grounding, meditation, intention, setting, gratitude, I'm happy to connect and answer questions that you have. So thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun and just elevating conversation. Spirited is the word. Spirited. Yes. Yeah. And I'll be sure to uh, put all those links and all the show notes and everywhere we post this so everyone can find you, work with you. And I hope this brings lots of viewers and listeners your way. Thank you so much. And keep up the amazing work you're doing in the world. Thank you so much. And thank you, listener and viewer, for watching and listening. For more, be sure to go check out the show notes over at holisticnootropics.com. Head on over there, download the free supplement guide. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure you subscribe for all future podcasts. Until next time, peace. Thanks for listening. For more brain-boosting info, in-depth articles, and show notes, check out holisticnootropics.com.